Well, they encourage your complete cooperation. Send your roses when they think you need to smile. I can't control myself because I don't know how. When they love me for it, honestly, I'll be here for a while. So give them blood, blood, gallons of the stuff. Give them all that they can drink and it will never be enough. So give them blood, blood, blood. Grab a glass because there's going to be a flood. Hey folks, and welcome to not another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast, because we're doing a Kotatsu Corner again for the first time since January. Yay, fun. So for those not aware, uh, Kotatsu Corner episodes are our little mini-series where we just sit around the cozy Kotatsu and we just talk about whatever we want to it's mostly not anime related so this is just kind of you know side conversations about things we've been doing or stuff that we wanted to talk about that doesn't have really any formal structure we're not reviewing anything we haven't written any notes or anything like that so well this is just a chill well some people have written notes i guess maybe a maybe a maybe a bulleted list of topics perhaps but uh, yeah, we're just going to sit around and chat about some stuff that we've been doing lately. Uh, I'm Austin, of course. Hello. Nice to see you again. But I'm joined by a couple folks that haven't been on the show in, in quite a while. Go ahead and introduce yourselves again in Discord order, please. Before I introduce myself, I just want to make one quick cl- clarification. You said nice to see you again. Like, are we supposed mm-hmm. to have our webcams on? No, I can see all of our listeners as they listen to the show. Everybody, that, Austin power. is not safe. You need to run. Yes, I, I'm I'm very dangerous, but I can see you, and yes. you look like you've had a really rough day, so please make sure to take care of yourself. Get a good night's sleep. Okay. Well, in that case, I am Ryan, the agent of chaos, and I am glad to be back. Man, remember Strangers of Paradise? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Anyway, who else are we joined by? Uh, we also have Will, who is apparently being watched by Austin. So you mm-hmm. can see that I'm giving well, a big thumbs up right now. I can. I can see that. Uh, Will, you should uh, do your laundry, because it's really piling up. Oh, no. Yeah. Hey, Austin, Just like, how many fingers am I holding up? Uh, you're holding up as many as you think are appropriate. Wow. He is mm-hmm. really watching. See, I'm very good at this. Just ignore the cans of Dr. Pepper. Yes, they are all mine. (laughs) (laughs) Those aren't cans of Dr. Pepper. Those are uh, Steins Gate references. Ah, yes. It's the drink for intellectuals, so you understand, clearly. Yeah. I had dinner with Will last night. I had dinner with Will last night, actually, and he was wearing a Dr. Pepper shirt. And I was just like, you should go up to the guy wearing that and ask for a Sprite and see what his reaction is. Guess what drink I had that night? A uh, Arnold Palmer. Close. It was actually a Dr. Pepper. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Very similar. <laughs> some some of the 23 flavors are uh, sweet tea and lemonade, of I, course. I would naturally. drink, I would try uh, an Arnold Palmer that's like half Dr. Pepper, half lemonade. I would try that. That would probably not be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, uh, lemon lemon tends to work with like most things at least in my experience so i mean why not it would just be very citrusy yeah it would one of the 23 flavors even i have to imagine that one of the 23 flavors is in fact citrus 
Honestly, yeah. It, yeah. It's probably number it's, it's six. Just, probably. No, it's, it's Somebody definitely that. it's definitely definitely in the back thirteen. It's like probably number fourteen or fifteen. Mm. Mm. Which coincidentally is exactly how many fingers Ryan was holding up. Yeah, you got me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, w- what do we want to talk about, friends? What What have we been up to lately? Do we want to start with a, a music corner or gamer corner, or movie corner? What Where you guys want to start? I want to uh, hear about the music corner because I'm really interested in how your recent music experience went. Because you went to Ooh. something that I know a lot of people have very fond memories of and and very coveted oh yes so uh thank you will for 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 introducing that so uh i uh, as as a as a small as a small back in my back in back in the day was uh very much into uh a band that you may have heard of called uh my chemical romance i Uh, have heard of very cool yeah very cool band uh very uh big in my uh, sort of formula formulative years of enjoying sort of uh, music and things like that they've really formed a lot of my tastes and things that I look for whenever it comes to music and uh, yeah probably one of my favorite bands of all time I'd have to say um, and you know uh, they broke up as a band back in like 2013 or so but they announced in 20 like late 2019 they were just like hey guys we're coming back and I was just like, oh my gosh, finally. I couldn't believe it because um, Gerard Way, the singer, had really kind of pivoted in the last, in the years between the band breaking up and uh, and the present to doing a lot more comic book stuff. Yep. Like, probably, he, he's like huge. I mean, My Chemical Romance was always, well, not always, but they were very, very well known. But I feel like Gerard Way, his comics have really exploded him to being like this major pop culture figure because like the umbrella academy is like a huge netflix show i mean oh, yeah. it's not it's not stranger things level but it's like really big like mm-hmm. people seem to really enjoy it and mm-hmm. the next season is coming out sometime i mean the last um, se- season three just aired like a, about a month or two ago uh okay but okay. season four has been confirmed that it is going to be the last season and mm. in in my mind, honestly, it's kind of time because I I enjoyed season three, but mm. it was there was a lot of direction it took that I was like I don't really vibe with this. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he had uh, he done other projects like he co created a DC character called uh, Mother Panic, which yes. had a few comic runs. He created uh, Penny Parker that showed up in the Spider Verse movie. Whoa. Like he, he co-created yep. her, which is crazy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like he yeah, was he wrote responsible. The, he wrote for... the one shot for her uh, back yep. in the original Spider Spider Geddon, I think they called it. Cool. The Spider Verse. It was Edge of Spider Verse. That's right. Yeah, Spider Geddon came later, but yeah, I think she's in Spider Geddon. Maybe I'm not sure, but. Um, yeah, he he co-created her uh, sort of as like a big Spider-Man Evangelion reference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, weren't Shinji, Asuka, and Ray like in that one shot? Yes, they were. Yes. They were in Penny's classroom. Get in the robot, uh, Peter. Or, or unless <laughs> Peter's going to have to pilot it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, and like, uh, oh, what was it like? If you read, if you read the original one shot, like they kind of 
they they changed directions of the character a bit in Spider-Verse. Like they changed the way that the robot looks. They made it more like round and cutesy, but in the original one shot, like it's basically just like a Spider-Man themed Evangelion robot, which yeah. is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I would highly recommend checking out that one shot. It's pretty cool. But anyway, I'm I'm definitely getting towards Tangent Town. Uh, I thought, you know, they're all so busy, like all the other guys had moved on to do like their own bands, their own music uh production stuff and gerard was doing this comic book stuff so i'm just like man if mcr ever comes back it'll be like when these guys are like super done with all the stuff that they're doing but nope they decided to come back in 2019 and that was pretty awesome they had a reunion tour in like early 2020 but then the pandemic happened so they weren't able to do like a proper tour until uh this year and i got to go see them at the pnc arena in raleigh and it was really awesome they played uh i've been looking at some of their set lists from the shows that happened before this one and it really seemed they were playing like a big like eclectic mix of things from a lot of their different albums but this particular show was very black parade focused which is probably my my favorite album they played, um, of course, the big the big hits like like Welcome to the Black Parade, Teenagers, uh, Famous Last Words, all that stuff. But then they played some more deep cuts from from Black Parade, like Sleep and Mama, and some just some really great stuff. They played their their brand new song that came out probably only like a month or two ago. They opened with that one, and that was very good. Whenever they released it online, I was like, this is okay but like hearing it live made me mm-hmm. g- gave me a, a better appreciation for 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 that particular song That's i didn't realize was, that they were still making new music i just assumed it was just for the purpose of like a reunion tour so they like mm-hmm. back together for real like it making seems new music. Indi- it seems to indicate that they are back together for real i mean they've only released one brand new single but i mean okay. one has to imagine that if you're gonna make one song together like you're gonna come back you're mm-hmm. not just gonna make one you know right like we we have to assume that like probably a new album is somewhere on the horizon at least i would hope so and i mean if they're willing to tour together and they seem to all really be on good terms not that they not that from what i know of they were ever on like poor terms together they just decided like hey we don't really want to do the band anymore for right now so they decided to disband it which i have a lot of respect for because you know as we all know there are probably some some bands out there that would probably be better off just quitting instead of like continuing to pump out music that's just like very meh Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I always kind of, I always kind of feel that way about bands that like when they're, whenever they decide to like break up. To me, it's just like, why don't you just press pause because nobody's inspired like twenty four seven to make something mm-hmm. actually good. So yeah. like, to me, it would be fine. And I know like record labels operate differently, obviously. But to me, it's like I'm fine if like my favorite band would only come out with an album every five years. If every five years they came out with an absolutely amazing album Mm -hmm. instead of like five subpar albums over the course Mm -hmm. of five years. Like, no, I'd rather have like timeless music that is like very inspired. And if they are Mm -hmm. back together for good, I feel like it's, they've had a break and maybe they got some ideas over however long Mm -hmm. it's been. Yeah, no, I I, to- I totally agree. I mean, less is more. Like, 
I mean, to, to me, and I'm a super fanboy, but, like, I feel like MCR rarely misses, and I feel like that's because they don't have, like, a huge discography. Like, they only have four complete studio albums. Like, that's not a lot compared to a lot of other groups. Yeah, no, it's and really not. they're still, they're still, like, extremely popular, extremely popular and extremely influential, but they don't have that much content. Which I think it, you know, speaks to a good model for other bands to to pursue. It's just like, well, again, less is more, you know. Yeah. Um, Black Parade, though, that song in particular, I've actually in the past few years of just like television, it's been used a lot. Mm. Like people use it as like background music or like mood music way more frequently than I ever remember seeing it when it was actually like new. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. It's just, like, they were always... Like, their popularity was very underground. Like, they had some some radio hits, and they were certainly very successful, but, like, they weren't... They weren't, like, you know, Metallica with Inter Sandman kind of thing, where, you know, Inter Sandman was, like, a song that would play, like, everywhere, and yeah. is, like, a certified classic, even to people who aren't fans. Um, like, MCR, I mean... I mean, maybe teenagers. I I don't know, but like, it's it's hard to judge. But anyway, it's kind of, it's uh, anyway. kind of one of those things. Also, like, I know a lot more about like media like stuff now than I did when I was a teenager, and I can't really remember like trends or anything from back then. So I can't really speak to why. But all I remember is everybody in my middle school was listening to Black Parade when it came out. Mm-hmm. I think it's just right, a really yeah. big like our age group cultural music yeah. standpoint for us like in yeah. when, when when black parade was new i was not i didn't really listen to mcr until way later in life i was too busy listening to paramore instead but <laughs> mm. uh it's always just <laughs> you, been around you chose you chose the different emo pillar yeah yeah, <laughs> choose, yeah exactly <laughs> but choose um, your emo band mine was <laughs> exactly Green Day. even though there like even though that uh i never really listened to them or know too too much about them as a group I did get into them later, but they've always been like culturally around like our age group. And, yeah. Like even sure. when that album, when they were still touring, like before they broke up, I had friends who would go to their shows and everything and had a good mm-hmm. time. So it's just like Black Parade, especially, I think is just everywhere. Like I know the words of that song and like just because of osmosis from everyone else who loves <laughs> that song. It's just such like a it, it's like the millennials Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, yes, I remember. You're not the first person to say that. I yeah. remember also back in like quarantine or something. I got some really dumb idea in my head. I don't remember exactly why I was looking this up, but I googled something about Gerard Way and read some old interview where he was talking about like how Black Parade was actually based on like a real day in his life. Where in the interview, I think he said something like, "My mother took me into the city to see a marching band." And I was like, hold up, Gerard Way. You said in the song your father took you into the city. What's the truth here? And I like legitimately mm. I legitimately like tweeted at him this really stupid <laughs> joke. And I'm like, what? why did I do that? What is the truth, Mr. Way? Yeah, what I basically is the truth? I basically demanded the truth from Gerard Way on Twitter from an interview from like 2008. Imagine yep, being yep. in the parade that would go on to inspire that song and you just don't I mean, know. right? You just have no idea, yeah exactly yeah 
some sometimes whenever I I read like MCR interviews like with Gerard or with whoever and they say like oh this song was very much inspired by this thing and then you go read the lyrics and I'm just like you you're being like you're omitting some things here for sure <laughs> because like there's so much in this track that just doesn't seem like it came from that specific inspiration like I know uh uh, apparently famous last words was something that gerard wrote like for his brother who was considering leaving the band for some reason and i'm just like this song just doesn't seem like it's about that but then again i mean that's that's art you know things just sort of mm-hmm. evolve and you know you get a seed of an idea from a specific inspiration but where the seed grows grows from there it, it can really take on a life of its own outside of the original inspiration so yeah but anyway yeah, it was a it was a great show. Uh, Gerard Way is a, a awfully spry for a forty five year old man up on that stage. Like it, it seems like he has just as much uh, chaotic nonsense energy as he always has in uh, in in all of their stage performances. So it, it was a great experience, and uh, I would love to be able to go see them again sometime. Now, real quick uh, though, show. you said the show was in Raleigh, right? Yeah. Now, dear listeners, I I happen mm-hmm. to know that I live near Raleigh. And well, don't dox yourself, Ryan. Yeah, I live near Raleigh, not in Raleigh. <laughs> uh, however, back in May, I went to MomoCon, and I purchased a certain Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep final mix for the PSP for Austin here. And I can't help but notice it's still taking up an 8.8 by 4.4 <laughs> space on my desk. <laughs> Yeah, you were breaking up. I couldn't hear any of your complaints. Damn it. He doesn't need it because he can see it in your room. We'll just scrub that bit. I thought it would have been funny. Oh, no, it is funny. I'm leaving okay. it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that that's still on my desk. And I can't help but notice that you came within spitting distance of my house and didn't declutter my desk of your game. You know, we're not all perfect. And I've come to realize that. So, uh, I'm sorry. I love you. Well, thank you. And he can admire it from afar anyway, since he's already watching you. I can. (laughs) That's true. That's true. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you're playing Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Mm. For the PSP. Okay, so, uh, any other, any other, uh commentary in the music corner because i think uh, i'm done talking about mcr i won't bore you on, on a similar vein and i'll be brief because this hasn't happened yet but in terms of seeing groups that are touring again that have have a longer legacy i will be seeing the red hot chili peppers play in charlotte later this week in uh and the strokes are opening for them which is kind of the main reason i'm seeing them because i really like the strokes newest album from a couple years ago if we have any stroke fans in chat uh this new album the new abnormal really sounds and has a big feel of like the strokes earlier albums like is this it room on fire so if you really like the old stuff i highly recommend checking out their newest album because i think it's also really fantastic so their newer stuff is different strokes oh well i mean let me for for different folks so yeah (laughs) i'd say maybe the middle discography for them is different strokes for different folks but this new strokes album is same strokes for same folks if you like your right. stuff i see but also the, the the more major news for for chili pepper fans there is that um their original guitarist john frusciante is back with the band again because he oh left really i didn't know that he, he's been in and out of the chili peppers a lot for those who know and i have seen the chili peppers before because i'm going to the show with two friends who were also at that show this was 10 years ago and at the time 
this is when we were Frusciante less. And now we've gained Frusciante again. So he's a really great guitarist. His solo work is also really good. So I'm really excited to see him live. Uh, so that's going to be a, he, a fun show. Is he also a half genie hero? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I prefer Frusciante and the Pirate's Curse. Mm, fair enough. <laughs> For sure. I, I really... I really liked when Flea showed up in uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, that my God. I, I had such whiplash watching I that. I was watching that with Will, and he was just like, is that Flea? <laughs> is that Flea? I lost my mind. Yeah. See, there's the, there's the people like Will who are just like, oh, my gosh, that's Flea, the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then there's the people like me who's like, oh, that's Flea, the guy that was in Back to the Future Part 3 for five minutes. <laughs> oh, yep. God, he was, wasn't he? He was. He's the guy that challenges Marty to a race. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, He's also the guy that like pr- convinces him to do the thing in the future that he gets fired from. Yeah, I've seen those movies too much. Yeah, they're great movies though. They are. Yeah, for real. I back think in the, terms of uh, music, Fleecher. Yeah, I think <laughs> in terms of music <laughs> stuff though, like I'm kind of the oddball here because I don't really go see concerts very often. The only concert that I've like been tempted to go to recently was the Foo Fighters tribute concert for Taylor Hawkins. Oh yeah. Mm, but yeah. I can't afford that because it requires me going to California, purchasing a ticket, but like getting a hotel in California. So mm, it's yeah. all very, very expensive, but I, I loved their last album kind of speaking on the topic mm. of albums that don't come out that frequently. Like, I loved that album, and I was like, man, the next time they're in concert, I'm going to see them, and then Taylor Hawkins dies, and I'm just like, what? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. I would always love hate to, to see that. I'd yeah. love to see Dave Grohl live at some point in my life. Oh, yeah. Mm. Has, has Dave Grohl ever taken a picture with Keanu Reeves? Because they look, like, very similar. I have never heard those two compared in the same sentence before. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. There's a friend of mine that I go to trivia with, actually, that, like, every time somebody meets him, they're just like, hey, has anybody told you that you look like Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters? And he's just like, yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) His friend is Keanu. Actually, I look like Dave Grohl from Nirvana. Mm. Well, Dave Grohl and Nirvana, he didn't have the beard. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, didn't he have short hair? I don't know. I think so. I'm not up to date on my Nirvana trivia. I don't remember. Like I I was I was not big into Nirvana until like well after they broke up. Mm. So I also think you like, were like with my chemical romance. Yeah, yeah, but I think Ryan, I think we were like 3 when they broke up. Exactly. So you I was still I was listening to yet. I was still listening to Barney on tape when they broke up. Yeah, and and then your mom was like, "Hey, you want to listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit?" in your crib (laughs) (laughs) i actually do have a friend who like skipped the entire phase of listening to children's songs and his parents just raised him on classic rock Mm, mm. yeah start him young child we're we're not gonna listen to your abcs we're gonna listen to uh we're gonna listen to kansas and we're gonna listen to rush and we're gonna listen to bruce springsteen yeah, no, he told me, he was like, no, I never grew up on Wheels on the Bus. I grew up on Loving an Elevator. And I'm just I like, know. that must have been a bit confusing as a child. And he's like, yeah, I didn't know what it meant, but. No, what he says Man. is, I didn't grow up on Wheels on the Bus. I grew up on Wheel in the Sky. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Keeps on turning. Man, Aerosmith, man, these parents have no taste. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, it was more than just Aerosmith, but Love in an Elevator, when you actually know the context nowadays, is like, oh god, you let a child listen to that? <laughs> I can't believe that they created an entire band based on a Disney ride. I know, right? That's crazy. Great Disney Pretty ride, nuts. though. It is fun. Yeah. I like it. Disney ride's fast. better than the band. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right, kids. Let's let's move on to gamer corner. So you, uh, who, who, MLG who wants to head us off? I'll head us off. So yeah, go ahead. So recently, um, about a month ago or so, the Cuphead DLC came out. Uh, DLC in this instance standing for Delicious Last Course, mm-hmm. and Cuphead is a very very hard game, and I never finished it back in the day. Like I got past a couple of bosses, and then I think something else came out, and I just stopped playing it. So I was like, huh. Well, if it's DLC for Cuphead, it's probably going to be harder than the base game, so I should replay Cuphead in order to prepare myself for it. So I did. And then uh, then I played the DLC. I have a question. Yeah. Okay, so I don't, I don't mean to derail you, so if you want to keep going on your on your um, train of thought, like please uh, don't answer it and wait till later, but uh-huh. I don't know. what I've never played Cuphead. What makes it so hard? Uh, it's a lot of pattern recognition, like most bosses you're not going to beat on your first time just because you don't know what their tells mean like they all choreograph their attacks but you're not going to be able to like know what's about to happen until you've died about six or seven times Mm. Um, there actually is a boss in the DLC that I got on my first try and I felt so proud about that um Mm. Also, the game is, like, only boss fights, or for the most part, from what I understand. Yeah, it's only boss fights. There's, like, six run-and-gun segments, and those are also hard, because it just spams you with enemies, like, everywhere. But, um, it's just the design requires you to be good at the game and understand the mechanics of all of your different weapons and abilities and stuff in order to succeed. And also, you can build Cuphead differently. Like, I always use the, um, the charm that lets you be invisible while you dash because it just makes it easier to get out of sticky situations. Um, Mm. Otherwise, if you dash, you dash like into something and can take damage, which is kind of annoying. But um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that requires you to get good. Like you've played Bloodborne, you know how that is. Yeah, because I mean, what you basically, I mean, I don't want to be that guy, of course, but basically (laughs) what you described is like, basically how all souls game bosses go it's just like they all have very predictable move sets and tells for all of the move sets the only difference is um cuphead is all bosses so you have mm. to learn the mechanics of you while you're fighting Mm. these difficult bosses bloodborne you at least have like basic enemies to attack and like figure out how to do stuff yeah, and in and in those games, it's like you can kind of grind your way to success because if you spend some time, you know, leveling up and getting, you know, souls or you know, blood blood echoes or or whatever, uh, you can like you can go into a boss room and and annihilate the boss if you've just spent enough time grinding. But I don't d- Cuphead doesn't have that right. Like it's just the you only the only thing it how has to make is- it work. You kind of you can get coins to unlock new abilities so if you you do get access to more abilities but it doesn't fundamentally alter how powerful you are 
I see. Yeah. So it's basically so is just... It kinda, it's basic- is it kind of like how Hollow Knight works? No. Hollow Knight's a Metroidvania. Okay. Uh, Cuphead, there's well, like know. there's significantly less abilities. Um, okay. It's just it's a boss rush game with a couple of run and gun segments just because mm-hmm. they needed an excuse to get you coins. Mm. But um I I remember everybody saying back in the day that King Dice was the hardest boss in the game, and I firmly disagree because the devil took me a lot longer. <laughs> but um mm. the DLC also people were like, oh man, the Cuphead DLC is is way harder than like the final boss, and I got through it in like three hours, and I'm like, yeah, that's uh that's not quite true. <laughs> it, it was it was challenging, but it, I didn't think it was any more or less hard than the base game it just was additional content and uh you got to play as miss chalice who had an entirely new way of playing and i actually really enjoyed her and then there was there was some additional bonus content in the dlc like there was a king's gauntlet where you went through a bunch of fights where you could only damage the enemies by parrying them which was very interesting um as well as a charm that you unlock that curses you and once you beat enough bosses while you have it equipped, uh, it becomes a blessed charm and gives you, like, incredible buffs. But getting there was probably the most difficult thing in the DLC, was fighting the old bosses with one health. Mm. Ooh. Yikes. So, was it, in fact, a delicious last course? Absolutely. Like, if you like Cuphead, I highly recommend it. And I, quite frankly, am sad that I finished it all so quickly because like Cuphead's not that long. I finished everything in like 10 hours. But um it it was incredible. So, so is it intending to be as the name implies the last DLC like they're not doing any more content for it? As far as I know, yeah. Um I if anything they'll probably release a sequel like an entirely new game, but also mm. I I really don't know. Like they've been talking about the DLC for a really long time now. So now that that's over, they they have not said anything publicly about like where they're going next. Actually, so coincidentally, the season two of the Netflix show did also just come out. Oh yeah, yeah. So, do you think the sequel to Cuphead will be called Cups Head or Cupheads? Uh, well, I mean, it won't be called Cupheads because you can already play as two Cupheads in Cuphead. Well, isn't one of them Mugman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's Mugman's game? Uh, maybe that's mm. next. Mugaman X. Oh, yeah. Mugaman. Perfect. I want a, I want a prequel uh starring their grandfather. Hmm. We don't have enough grandfather yeah. games. Yeah, we need we need a game starring the Elder Kettle. But yeah, that's that's it for me and Cuphead. So uh what else is what else have you guys been playing? I uh, Go for it, Will. Yeah, Tell us about it. I was going to say for the first time in my adult life as a, a PlayStation fan, uh, I I played Mario sixty four. Whoa! I've I've played it before, but I've never like played it seriously, and I've never beaten it until this year. Uh, okay, so how are you? How are you playing it? I'm playing. I was playing on an original N sixty four, hooked up wow. to my Elgato, so I could stream it the friends on Discord. But I was watching my mm. TV screen at the whole time. So can confirm, I watched almost the whole thing. Uh, mm. People say it's one of the greatest games of all time, and I've, I mean, I'm really, I still am really impressed with the level of quality and for 3D platforming back then, given it's like basically 
asterisk the first 3d platformer it, it, it still plays very well I had no issues with the controls, the camera, with the sole exception of when you're in water, trying to get out of water onto a platform was infuriating. Yeah. Oof. But other than that, everything played great. I got to see levels I'd never seen before, like the Boo House, which ended up becoming one of my favorite worlds in the game. Had and never seen that world. before. Yeah, Wet Dry Land. I hate that stage. That stage was so bad. Everyone hates that stage. It's so, I had it's so no annoying. idea what to do. And they were like, oh, you have to jump in the painting at the certain height to change the water level. And I was like, how would I figure that out? That's wild. How would I know this? Well, see, Will, you would know that, but you have to buy the game guide. Yeah, I think there is actually something in the castle that tells you, but it just nobody reads in that game, really. That's something the schoolyard kids tell you before the Internet, and then you don't believe them, but it actually is real. That's pretty accurate. Luigi's actually in this game. Yeah, no, no Yoshi. Uh, no Yoshi on top mm. of the castle. What was up with that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, the, the rumor back in the day about Yoshi was that once you get 120 stars, you can ride him. And I was like, oh, that would be awesome. But it's not uh, true. I, I will say I did not do all 120 stars. What was it like 80 to beat the game? I can't even 70. remember. 70. I did 70 star run. Uh, I've watched 16 star runs before. So I had a vague idea of certain stages. But most of the later half I'd never seen before. Uh, I also really like you've the, watched mine before. I mean, yeah, but I don't remember yeah. you getting into the certain worlds I did, like the the big tiny big island. I think it's called. Well, no, when you're doing a sixteen and, star run, you don't do oh, those. The the clock tower level. Uh, I I tried that and I was like, I'm not pro gamer enough to do this, so I just went and got <laughs> stars elsewhere. But I really appreciate <laughs> that level for the the platforming challenge. Yeah. Well, Will was also saying, saying. Also, I decided to just kind of. Uh, brush off the dust from my controller and try another 16 star run and on my first try i actually managed to get lucky do skip which i was really proud of nice so what what you're saying is will that for someone uh not unlike myself who has very little familiarity or experience with super mario 64 that it is worth my time to uh, play that game and and possibly beat it, right? I think so, especially if you like 3D platformers. I think it really does play very well still, surprisingly. I greatly enjoyed Super Mario Odyssey. Thought that was extremely fun. Yeah. But I've just had a big difficulty going back to the other Mario games because they just don't feel as polished as that game, which I know is a very obvious thing to say yeah uh old games feel old what a what a controversial thing for me to think but uh i it's it's one of those things i just need to get around to it i have that 3d all-stars collection so okay i was about to say you should get that if you haven't because oh i do i have it it it, speedrunners hate that version because it fixes a lot of the glitches but for a casual audience no it's a fantastic version to play yeah yeah also you get galaxy on there and quite frankly uh, the 3D All-Stars collection is one of the best ways to play Galaxy. I mm-hmm. think they fixed all the issues with Sunshine. Because uh, there were a lot of issues with that port. And Sunshine is also easily the weakest of the 3D Mario games oh, to begin agreed. with. I was, agreed. I was about to say, I feel like most people's issues with Sunshine are not because of glitches. They they are inherent <laughs> issues. No, like so when 3D All-Stars first came out, everyone was infuriated with Sunshine because they inverted the camera stick to what we're used to. So everyone was, like, trying to do one thing, and it was, like, throwing them everywhere. 
Also, the analog triggers were actually necessary for Sunshine because it controlled how you use Flood, and you don't have that on the Switch. So mm. it felt just awful. Hmm. I am not nope. a big Sunshine fan, but now I'm tempted to give it another shot because I haven't genuinely tried it in like ten years. And at the time, it also I had really a really like it. Yeah, it also had a really awkward tutorial because at the beginning, Flood tells you how to use it. So like in the GameCube, it's like press the Y button to do this, but they changed the Y button in uh, the Switch version. So you just hear Flood go press the button to do this. And it shows you on screen. It's like really <laughs> awkward. You kind of have to. Oh, love I think those, I remember uh, that. Yeah, those old games when it's like, oh man, I remember how to do this. I just have to press the X button, like in character. Yeah, yes, I love when games. Do oh, that. I, I love it in video games whenever they say that out loud. Yeah. Oh, so, Sly Cooper does it all the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Bentley will say, "Sly, you should press the star, the start button to pause the game." Or something. Yeah, like, <laughs> that was a really so good, good. Bentley. Decent Bentley, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. All you have to do is put a bunch of cotton up your nose. My favorite, uh, my favorite is whenever they have like a meta commentary and it's like, you need to press the X button. They're like, what the heck's an X button? <laughs> yes. They're like, we're not talking yeah. to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good stuff. Video yeah. games. Fun. What about you, Austin? What have you been playing? So I've, uh, uh, to Tobias and uh, Ryan's great dismay, I've still not beaten Chrono Trigger. I feel like I talked ah. about Chrono Trigger last time we did a kotatsu corner and nope i still haven't beaten it but i've made significant progress i am in like the end game like Ooh. i'm i'm past i'm past the point where you get like an additional party member which i know is like very far into the game yeah and i feel like according to the game guide that i've been using i have like maybe two to three hours left in the game so i just need to sit down and finish it uh, it is a really great game. I totally get why people love it. It's it's very fun. It's very well made. It's very enjoyable. So yeah. uh, I've greatly enjoyed all of my time with it, but it's just something I'm just going through really slowly. Um, yeah. But that's not the central piece I wanted to talk about. I did want to talk about playing, again, another really long JRPG, uh, Dragon Quest XI that I've been playing. Uh, picked that back up recently. And it's uh, very good. I, I like to describe that game as like a delicious baked potato of a JRPG where like it doesn't really do anything specifically amazing and the story isn't like incredible and the characters aren't like amazing and like, wow, so good or anything like that. It's just a very, very, very polished and well-made and enjoyable package of like very simple JRPG elements expressed in a very good way. Um, have you played like, any of the other Dragon Quest games? Because people keep telling me it's like the one to play to get into the series. I mean, in the in terms of just raw accessibility, that's absolutely true um, because it is the most easy to get a hold of like mainline dragon quest game i mean previously there had been a couple re-releases for the 3ds but those are so expensive mm. now that they're yeah. borderline mm -hmm. inaccessible yeah um i think I'll, i think most people would say like if you're looking to play like a 3d dragon quest game definitely go with go with 11 because again like it's just the easiest one to get a hold of but like there's there's also the classic like the one through three trilogy that was re-released on the switch but oh, those yeah. are those are very much like uh, 
again, they're 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 old school two D JRPGs, which not everybody is down for, but I know you guys are down for it because you're about to talk to one talk about one in just a second. But um, <laughs> but yeah, those those are that realm. I mean, it's like Final Fantasy. Like if if somebody asks like, how do I get into Final Fantasy? Probably what you need to ask them follow up is like well do you want a 2d final fantasy or do you want a 3d final fantasy and dragon quest is kind of the same way gotcha um yeah but in a roundabout answer to your question yes 11 is extremely accessible that's good i think it's I know it game has pass, like a classic it does have yeah it is on game pass and it does have a classic mode where you can basically play the game as like a uh 2d uh, jrpg yeah i haven't really dabbled in that too much because it's like completely optional but it is a thing and it's pretty neat that you can do that like i don't know of any other example where they have basically made the same game well technically three times but twice that you can play it in drastically different ways didn't final fantasy 7 remake have the option of turn-based combat yeah but it wasn't good um if you did classic it was there but if you did classic combat mode it literally made the difficulty non-existent Oh. Yeah, but the thing with Dragon Quest is that it changes it to a 2D a 2D pixel oh. game. Oh, right. so like even graphics. No, it's like it's an entirely yeah. different game. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, they have the whole game in there twice. One is like a 2D classic looking like Dragon Quest like a Super Famicom like Dragon Quest. Yeah. Wow. And then the actual game which is like full 3D graphics and everything with voice acting and everything and animation and so I, I highly recommend it. It is a tall order though, because it's like a, it's a easy like ninety to one hundred and twenty hour JRPG. Jeez, one playthrough <sighs> yeah, which, or if you do both. Uh, I think there's just a single playthrough. I don't know if it has like a, you have to, oh oh you mean like between the two D and the yeah three D yeah. I mean probably. I I feel like the two D mode would probably be less time intensive because the map isn't as big i think they condense the map down so there's not as much travel time even though there's fast travel and everything like that like once you go to a place for the first time you can fast travel which is a great a great thing does it have random encounters in the 3d mode or is it like you see the enemies on the screen and you deliberately choose to engage them the second one okay yeah, the peop- the all the monsters are just roaming around the battlefield, and if you want to avoid them completely, you can just run right past them. Okay. So no random encounters. Uh, it's it's fairly easy. Like, there's really only been one boss fight that I've had some trouble with, and even then, it it was not that difficult. Um, so it it is a fairly easy game, I will say, but it's got a great colorful cast. It's got an interesting story for what it is, even though it's like kind of standard fairy tale, like chosen one magical hero kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's it's just really really solid. Like it's just very well made. There's like very little in it that I can really complain about. That's good. Yep. And I mean, I could talk about a little bit of Persona Five because I have made some progress in that. But Ooh, yeah, tell me. I mean, I I really like it. It's it's a really fun game. I just don't want to go on too long because we have so much to talk about. <laughs> just, um, what so I'm just, what palace are you on? Oh, I've only I'm I'm in the second palace. So okay, I I'm only like maybe thirty five hours into the game. Only thirty five hours, and you've made it to the second palace. 
Exactly. Yeah, that that's Persona. Yep. Yep. All this RPG talk is yeah. getting me ready for the the game that I'm ready to talk about, which is Yeah. Go prob- for it. Probably my game of the year as of right now. Um and that is Live Alive for the Nintendo you mean Live Switch. Alive? No, I mean Live Alive. Live Alive? Live Alive? Yeah. The Live school, Alive School Idol Project. School Idol Project. Um, <laughs> I everyone knows I'm a huge Super Nintendo fan, and this is a remake of a Super Famicom only game RPG made by pretty much the same team at Square. A lot of which who ended up working on Chrono Trigger, and Ooh. has the same music as I'm blanking on her name right now. Yoko Shimomura. Um, Yoko Shimomura. Thank you. The Yoko goddess. Shimomura. Queen. The, yeah. Probably the. You the can tell, by of... the way, Austin. It sounds very much like her early work. It's, Oof, yes. I, I've quickly reaffirmed her as being like probably my favorite, like video game composer of that era. Just yeah, like, I've been playing. Mm. I've been playing through the Mario and Luigi's uh, games as well. I didn't realize until like I was hearing some of the things in Bowser's Inside Story. She did the music for that too. Mm-hmm. And all the, the Street Fighter stuff she did at Capcom as well. Yeah. It's just fantastic. And I want to say that she also did um, um, Parasite Eve. Did she? I think so. I think so. Because that, that battle theme at Paris, on Parasite Eve is so good, so jazzy. Oh, yeah, she did. She did. Yeah, That's another like, game I need to put more time into. Yeah, I have to finish it. I'm, like, almost done. But back to... Yeah, back she's to Live in, Alive. She's done so many great games. But back to yeah. Live Alive... Like, of course, I'm not going to go into any sort of spoilers because the, the biggest thing about this game, I think, is how its story is is woven so carefully. And as a brief overview, it's eight campaigns throughout different eras of history. And each campaign is not only written by different people and had different character designers for each campaign, but they're all in, set in different timepieces. So you have like... And the gameplay is pretty substantially different for each one. Yeah, so you have like, for example, the Wild West chapter, which is kind of more narratively focused and has like a really interesting gimmick of like preparing for a big battle. And then yeah. you have like the far future, which is like really more of like... There's a, no like, combat. No combat. Then you have like the boss rush campaign with the present day and like prehistoric times which is more like traditional rpg stuff it's it's so unique and how each of it's like eight different teams almost and then bringing it all into this one big narrative to link it all together towards the end and it's just crafted so well it plays so well it sounds so well it's just a really really solid rpg what would you say was your favorite chapter without spoilers (sighs) my favorite chapter it, you see, it's hard to compare because they're so different. I think, like, Wild West and uh, Edo Japan, which I was frustrated with at first, admittedly, but I liked that one. I loved Imperial China and yeah. Far Future were probably my top four. I did Imperial China twice because I wanted to change the outcome. Um, mm-hmm. my Choices other fav- matter. Yeah, my other favorite was Near Future. And I like I just really liked the character of it and I liked the mechanics that they introduced and I was kind of bummed that they didn't get used like more thoroughly. Uh, to very, very, very minor spoils. Uh the near future has big Gurren Lagan vibes. It does. Oh my It really does. <laughs> it has oh. it has giant anime robot vibes. Well the main I'm gonna, character is I'm basically buy that right now. It's basically yeah, Kamana. Nice. It's actually it's yeah, great, he, though. He, actually, no, he's basically Chrono. <laughs> yeah 
He legitimately looks like Chrono. But and also you get to choose the order you play the campaigns in. So you basically yes. are picking what you want to do and it's just great. I won't spoil anything with the ending, but it's fantastic. It's also quite short for an RPG. It's it's like, like a it's, less than 30 hours, give or take. I think my final time was like 40, but I did a bunch of extra stuff. Okay. But like and it's so, it, pacing wise, it's so good you could play it like a chapter and then just stop. Yeah. Hmm. So it sounds to me, I mean, it I mean, you you've clearly have a lot of really great things to say about it, but I guess my my fear always whenever it comes to anthology projects is that they run into sort of the inherent issue with anthologies where like some of them are bound to be like way better than other parts Definitely. because that's well, just kind of a very common thing whenever it happens with anthologies and for for video games I mean, I feel like if I was playing a game that, like, switched up on me so often, it would feel, like, very jarring, and there would be certain parts I would be like, oh, man, I really wish that this part played like the other part that I really liked, but it sounds like that's not really a problem for you, which I guess is a for, good thing. For it's me, not it's not a problem, but, but that definitely does happen. Okay. Like, it changes on you, but, like, the core gameplay is still the same, so it's not, like, that drastic. Yeah, the mm. the battle system is is the same. Like you, it's oh, which okay. is pretty. There's pretty straightforward with weaknesses and everything. Also, yeah. there's there is experience points, but there's no um like money, so you don't have to worry about shops or anything traditional like that. And also, mm. after every battle, you get fully healed automatically, which is really oh, nice. That's, that's extremely convenient. Yeah, yeah. Like the the focus is not supposed to be on like surviving a great journey. It's like character stories woven in with combat in like throughout time and just kind of like they each has their own separate themes it is really interesting that this is what this game is because i mean i i didn't because like you said it had never been licensed over here so i'd never yeah. really even heard of it until they started you know promoting the fact that they're doing this like uh hd 2d remake thing mm -hmm. but uh yeah, it's really interesting that it that it is this because I don't know that I expected it to be this way, but it, it seems to be very much in that era where like Square was trying to do really like cool collaborations with all of their different creators. Like yeah, Chrono Trigger is also an example of that. So yes. would you say that it's like it's like a like a like a like a Chrono Trigger cousin? And do you think Absolutely. is there anything else is there anything else in like Square's library that really fits into this mold kind of like chrono trigger and live alive do that maybe we don't know about as much as far as uh, i'm aware honestly like this game does have its own identity for sure but exactly to your point like a lot of the people who worked on this game because live alive originally came out in 94 uh chrono trigger came out in 95 and it's a lot of the same people it's the same director wow. the same writers that worked on them mm -hmm. so i think it's easy to compare them just based on how special they are mm-hmm um it's but. it's definitely inspired a lot of rpgs and like even modern stuff toby fox said that the song megalomania is one of the songs that got him interested in music hmm. um, thus megalovania and exactly yeah Aye. and also um yeah like retro gamers have been talking about uh live alive for like a long time and it, it's been in my snes collection like i have a translated rom of it that i have not played but had had always said like i'll eventually get to it and then when the remake was announced i was like oh i'm gonna wait and then 
I'm really glad I, I did, quite frankly. I lost my mind when I... It was in a Nintendo Direct they announced it. Yeah, that was and a great just, Direct for RPGs, I remember that. And going back to, to Austin's point, too, about the, the HD 2D, I really love Square's <clears throat> push for doing that, because they're also supposed to be doing Dragon Quest three in that style, which we don't have a release yep. date for yet. But yeah. I'm so excited... Based on playing this... It's making me want to get Dragon Quest three, and I've never played Dragon Quest before. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I played I played all of their HD two D uh, games. Like Octopath Traveler was the first, and I loved the art style, but Octopath itself got kind of bland for me. Like I don't know, halfway through, give or take. Like after chapter two, I was just kind of like, I'm not really feeling this game. And then I played Triangle Strategy recently, and that game was like amazing. Oh, so you're you're gonna be excited for Tactics Ogre, right? Oh yeah, I'm very excited for Tactics Ogre. Cool, cool. Yeah, Ryan and uh, yeah. other Ryan and I are going to be talking a lot about that. I think. I don't mean to go off on a completely different thing, but I need to find like a tactics game to like ease myself into this genre. Quite frankly, Final I Fantasy know, Tactics dude. Advance is very easy to get into. You think so? Should I start with that, or should I try something like Fire Emblem? Fire or, Emblem and Final Fantasy Tactics are two different type of tactics games. Well, yeah, well, yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, good, but that's fair. you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I just don't. I've never played like any of them. Like, I just don't. It's not a world that I'm familiar with at all. So I just I need yeah. to find a good entry. You know, Live Alive, uh, the combat system is is on a grid, so it's it's almost there. You can ease into it. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I can talk to you. Grid. I can talk to you separately and add like. 20 games to your ever-growing backlog if you really want to get into tactics stuff make it two and we've got a deal <laughs> there's also a um metal slug tactics game coming out soon or is it already mm. out i think it's I coming think out, it's out soon yet. yeah but um i'm i was very excited for that when that like was announced and then i got a triangle strategy and the itch had been scratched so i'm like you know i'm not that big of a metal slug fan i maybe get this eventually but then um also tactics ogre was announced and i'm like okay no that is a higher priority than metal slug like easily Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh so we're kind of approaching that hour mark do we want to just like nick's movies corner and jump straight into you guys's con i'm i'm comfortable with that yeah sure we can do that is there a certain okay. length you want to keep the Kotatsu's at? Let's try to uh, wrap like it up around in like, an hour. Yeah. Oh, so we're Let's try to wrap like, it up in like <laughs> another 20, 30 minutes, which I think is more than yeah. normal. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, let's do it. So, um, hold on. Do you want to do like a musical interlude? Oh uh, yeah, this is where, oh. this is where I will put it. Hold yeah, on. all the um, live alive music. One of you guys should be a good live alive track that will work. Uh, We'll we'll Um, give you Megalomania actually because we brought it up. So kind of a, a bigger segment that uh, I guess we can talk about here 
towards the end as we as we kind of wrap up is that uh you guys you guys kind of well brian you you put on a convention kind of accidentally on purpose yeah i, don't know. I, I accidentally yeah we accidentally made a con um yeah so what does so, that mean so okay um, for those of you who don't know, I'm one of the admins of a local group uh, called Raleigh Retro Gamers on Facebook. And basically, once every month or so, we tend to put on like a public event where we set up like vendors and free play areas and just, you know, spread our love of retro games. And so we had an event in Moore Square, uh, which is a park in Raleigh uh, back in June. And that was a very successful event, so much so that we had one of the managers of the North Hills Hilton reach out to us and say, hey, we want to do something with you guys in the hotel. So we said, great. The only problem is we don't have a budget because we we're not like a business or anything. We're just a group of volunteers. So we did have the money to like rent out the ballrooms. It would have been $15,000 if we wanted to rent them. And they reached out to us at the beginning of August and said, hey, we had a last minute cancellation. Do you want the ballrooms for an extreme discount? Which was like 80%, like 80% wow. off. Yeah. So we that were like, uh, yeah. So we like talked about it and we were like, okay, we'll have to charge for this one because we can't afford to do that out of pocket. But I think people would be willing to, and they were. We had over 150 vendors apply. We accepted about 30 or 40. Um, and then we charged like $5 for admission, um, which for a day con that we planned in legitimately three weeks, we thought was more than reasonable. Um, so we set up. Yeah, five bucks a head. Like, like, that's a good for, thing for like anything. Yeah. We set up five ballrooms with vendors. Uh, Edwin actually ran the tournament at the uh, at the convention. Like he set up a bunch of tables and ran uh, fighting games. And my particular interest uh, at this one was I set up the free play area where we had about twenty six stations of retro consoles and just allowed the general public to come in and play. And uh, Will actually helped you... me with that. He set up uh, Guitar you... Hero. How did you make sure that people didn't steal stuff? We watched like a hawk. So the way that the consoles were set up, I don't know whose design it was, but basically with every setup, there was like a clear like storage container uh, flipped upside down with the lid popped on. And then somebody cut holes in the sides for like the cables and the controllers that pop out. So all the consoles were like Hmm. covered. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, which worked, and there was even a gap to like switch out game, but I don't think we needed to switch out any cartridges or anything because we had like um... no, we stuck ever drives in most yeah. of them. But um, yeah, that was like our anti theft device, and it worked well. But also, we've never had a problem with theft at an area sure. at any of our events. But like, mm-hmm. there's a first time for everything, so we were being overly cautious because we're like, this is a very public facing event, and nothing was stolen, thankfully. Um, mm-hmm. But I learned a funny lesson also. Um, I brought my Switch, my GameCube, and my N64, uh, as well as like every mini console I own. And for the Switch, I brought like a good assortment of multiplayer games, including ones that I think are fun, like Windjammers and Towerfall, but I also bought the common ones like Mario Kart and Smash. And I learned that the general public just wants to play Smash. Yeah. So that was just kind of I mean that's the one with that's the one with Mario. Yeah. So obviously. It was just kind of funny to me, but um, 
but yeah, it went really well. And um, like I said, Will helped out also. He brought Guitar Hero, and that was very popular. Yeah, my role was mostly just a volunteer for setup and for keeping an eye on the free play section in case any sort of setups went wrong or anything. Uh, which, mm -hmm. surprisingly, nothing went wrong, right? Well, nothing during the event went wrong. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was at, like, so we opened at 10 o'clock. Um, it was at, like, 9.40 or something. Our DJ was there, and he was starting to play music or whatever. And then there's all of a sudden we hear the music cut out. And so we're like, oh, I wonder what happened. It turns out a fuse blew. And knocked Oof. out the entire free play area. Oof. How, well, how long did it take for that to come back? Did you have to like grab hotel staff? Wait, no. Where oh, was yeah, it no, again? we yeah, it was in the it was at the Hilton. We we grabbed Hilton, hotel staff right, yeah. and we were just like mm -hmm. uh, a fuse blew and they were like, okay, so they grabbed like a power box or something. I don't know how power works. Um, and they like they basically yeah they basically added power. And so we were able to boot everything back up for, but for like the first 15 minutes of the event, I was just sitting at a table in the center of the free play area, eating my breakfast. And it's people were like, are these available? And I'm like, we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please bear with us <laughs> as I'm like shoving eggs and a bagel into my face. <laughs> But um, it was it was we are really experiencing fun. tactical difficulties because I haven't been nourished yet. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like it, it turned out well once we actually got everything up and running. Uh, everybody seemed to have a great time. All the vendors did great, and it was uh, it was not great for my ego because one of the vendors told me that they sold more at our eight-hour con that was thrown together in three weeks than they did at a weekend con that had, like, months of planning. Yeah, that, that is pretty terrible for your ego, Ryan, I have to say. Yeah. You might have to get that looked at if things keep going in this, in this direction. Yeah. No, it's just like, yeah, I don't need to be told that we did something super well on our first <laughs> attempt that we weren't even truly attempting. See, next time you're going to plan super well, and then it's going to go horribly. Yeah, that's kind of pretty much what I'm expecting. Yeah, I'm sorry for putting that out in the universe. I don't actually think that. I'm sure you guys will do fine. <laughs> no, I'm sure we'll but, be fine. Uh, is, is there anything that, you, like... like, it seems like what you did do this year, like, you were you were, you had enough people and enough attendees to be able to facilitate the things that you planned on doing so it went really well but yeah. what do you think that you would like to do next time and like how do you how do you feel about your prospects of having enough you know people and resources to be able to get those things done well we want to expand to potentially include like a board game area we didn't do that this time one because we didn't think we have the space and also we don't have board games that are like safe for the public to play like i wasn't going to be loaning out my personal collection for people to put their hands on yeah um, yeah like how would you even handle that would you have to like buy yeah like board games that are owned by raleigh retro Re eh, raleigh retro gamers or something either that or just volunteer board games that i'm not afraid to potentially not bring home with me i can't connect for i can't yeah. imagine having to count monopoly money to make sure it's all there at the end of the yeah. day Basically, Oof, no. basically, my plan is to, like, go to, like, a Goodwill and find, like, the, I've actually found, like, popular board games at Goodwill for, like, five bucks before. So I'm going to go and, like, see anything that I can find and just start accumulating, like, a stock and just, like, storing them. 
Well, luckily for you, we have a Goodwill right here. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I don't have any games right now. Dang it. <laughs> um, but I've seen your TikToks. No, you absolutely oh, have games, you liar. <laughs> Not board <laughs> games. But um, the funniest thing from the entire day was probably... So Heather is one of the people I work with, and she was running a, uh, a booth as well. Uh, she has like She's selling her Vita collection. She has a complete set. Wait, um, she's selling it? Yeah. Dang. So the thing about people who go for complete sets, and this is not to knock anybody for doing this. Like, if it makes you happy, it makes you happy. I just don't understand it personally. So many people are like, oh, I love the thrill of the hunt and just being like, oh, yeah, I managed to complete this. Time to sell it and start again. Like, she went for a complete set and is like, yep, I did it and I'm proud of it. Now I'm going to sell it and keep the stuff I actually want to play. And I'm like, but you spent so much time. <laughs> the thrill of the hunt. <laughs> I yeah, can get yep. behind that idea. But uh, I, get I can it. understand yeah. that. I mean, you, you should only do it if it like brings you joy and if owning it like like if you've gotten it all and like you've got it all but like that directly isn't bringing you joy, then like selling it to fund other things is totally fine. Like, yeah. You do you. Your collection is yours at the end of the day. You make it what you want it to be. Yeah. But aside from the Vita stuff that she was selling, she did have like a bunch of other stuff like she had some atari and snes games or whatever and this one like 10 year old runs up and like picks up i think it was a snes game and just looks at it and is like oh man i love games that were made in the 1900s and i'm just like what bless <laughs> because while he's not wrong he had no right to phrase it like that because he turned everybody uh, yes. he had he turned everybody in the immediate area into a fossil oh <laughs> uh, yes this like, is a vintage this this uh this yoshi is a vintage 1905 yeah and i'm just like <laughs> I, I just like looked at him and i was simultaneously laughing and offended <laughs> that's great yeah the but highlight overall for me was we crunch uh, sorry i was gonna say yeah. just the highlight for me was definitely uh having the guitar hero set up because i'm trying mm. the trying to g gain the reputation of being like the rhythm game guy for yeah. the for the group so i, brought I think it's guitar working hero. oh for real i brought guitar hero and i had xbox 360 with two guitars so we can actually do like two player and i posted in the group like hamburg guitar hero it's gonna be fun because i'm trying to you know everyone guitar is another like cultural like gamer staple thing like everyone played rock band you know yeah so everyone's like mm -hmm. fondly remembers that and goes and plays so i only had guitar hero 3 and as I'm setting up, this one dude shows up and he's like, hey, I saw you post. Here's every other like rock band and guitar hero game on 360 you can use for the setup. Nice. And he's like, I brought my own guitar. And when he said that, I was like, OK, this guy's going to beat me so bad because he challenged me to a duel and he absolutely destroyed me. Like, I what thought, did, he, what I did thought... he say? What did he say before that? <laughs> he was like, no one's ever beaten me before. And then wow. he said he had his own guitar, and I was like, oh, no. And I, I think I'm pretty good. I say I'm pretty good at guitar here. I play on expert. But this guy was, like, you know, doing the the, the intro to Through the Fire and Flames with no sweat. Wow. Know? And I was like, oh, okay, this guy's definitely way better than me. But he was cool about it, and we had a lot of fun, because it's it's good to play with people who, like, are a similar skill level. level. Uh, there were some pretty good people there, too. Yeah. Uh, and even the people playing a lower difficult was all having fun and just talking and promoting the group. It was the thing a, that's a, wild. a good social game, you know? The thing that's wild about Guitar Hero in terms of high score also is the longer your chain is, the higher your score will be. So, like, 
Will had a 92% and the guy still beat him. I think he had like a 98. Oh, we played and Master like, of Puppets, yeah. Yeah. And this the score difference was like 200,000. And I'm like, you didn't even do that bad. Why was it like so much of a difference? And he's like, because my max chain was like 180. Yeah, the like, chains. Like, he was like, mm-hmm. my max chain was like 280 something. His was like 506. And I'm just wow. like, oh. I should have took yeah, a picture. Yeah, that's I was yeah. like, that felt like, I was like, dang, that's like the best I've ever done on Master of Puppets. And I look at his score yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, my God. Yeah, it was God. insane. He's a, he's yeah, a great like, guy. It's like bowling. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun though. And like, yeah. we had a lot of, we had a lot of people like that where they just like came and it was a very good sense of community which is yeah. what we were going for. And mm-hmm. the fact that we effectively had the turnout of a small con was, like, bewildering to me. We had 2,500 people at our final count. So when are you going to... Are you going to plan to just do a similar thing, like, a year from now? Or are you going to try and do one, like, even sooner? No, we're probably going to do, like, a year from now. or like, probably less than a year, but, like, we're, it's not going to be a semi-annual thing. It's going to be once a year. Because mm-hmm. we just don't have the time or the budget to do it more than that. Sure. So it was definitely cool, the biggest event we've ever done. Easily. Yeah. I mean, you guys keep you guys keep uh, you know increasing your power level each time, which is which is pretty incredible because you really have started out from like an incredibly grassroots thing, and yeah. just to see it blossom like this in a very natural way is is very inspiring. So uh, Basil asked us in the in the um, in the community discord which you should totally join by the way if you go visit thirdimpactanime.com you can find a link to join our discord it's a pretty cool place but basil asked when are you going to do an anime con well actually it's funny enough we kind of we did have an anime presence at this con like we had a there, couple anime vendors that showed up there were cosplayers yeah there were that's cosplayers good. as well so like that that's the thing this was a catch all like it's, it was very gaming focused because that's what we do, but we invited a lot of vendors from like various walks of the ge- of the geeky community. Like we had mm-hmm. card vendors, we had toy vendors, um, some figure vendors, anime artists, and of course the game vendors. Um, well, you know you can hit me up next time if you want to do a screening room. Yeah, um, we actually that the funny thing about when we were deciding scope um so austin and i both worked on a con in the past where scope was a major problem because they tried to do everything and it reach exceeded grasp yeah and it was it, it did not end well so i was i learned from that and i said to them we need to decide on three maximum four things and heavily focus on making them perfect um so we decided on vendors, free play area, and the tournament. And that's where we left it. But we were discussing doing panels. And I was like, look, I do panels like with Third Impact. And there is no way that we will get quality panelists with three weeks notice. And there's no way we would get quality no panels in three weeks notice. Nope. So I was just like, if we're going to do panels, we're going to do it right. And I I am hard vetoing doing panels right now because one, we didn't have the good space for it. It would have just been somebody in the center of the room yelling at the entire convention. And I don't think it would have gone well. Um, but also, like, I have a lot of gaming panels and like, I know there's a good amount in the area, but I, I didn't want to I didn't want to do what we've done in the past because I know how it ends. Now, one thing um, 
one thing I think that might be worth exploring is that like Raleigh has like a decent amount of people that are like in the games industry that have like worked there for a while. I mean, you've got you've got Limited Run, you've yeah. got um what is it um Epic. Epic is not too far away. Yeah. So I mean, I think maybe instead of doing panels, something you could do is maybe reach out to some of the people that work there and see if they want to do like a talk. Well, that is, that's effectively a panel. Um, yeah, I mean it is, but yeah. it's more like a Industry it's more like panel. a talk than a, it, it's than actually a panel, like more you know? of what a traditional panel is. Like what we do is yeah. more of a presentation than an actual panel, but we just call it mm-hmm. paneling. Um, but we actually did reach out to Limited Run and we offered them a free table. But PAX West is this weekend, ah. um, so they told us they're like, we would love to, but we can't with PAX coming up because we also just don't know what we would really do for you guys. But I said, that's sure. fine. And I gave them like a promo code. And I was like, send your employees, though, because we're like, we really want you guys to come and check this out. And like, we want to work with you mm-hmm. in the future. So, yeah, they used every every code we gave them also, which was great. And nice. um, of uh, of epic fame, we actually had Cliff Blazinski make an appearance. Who, and, who is that for people like me that don't know? So Cliff Blazinski is probably responsible for your childhood and you don't even know it um he worked he raised at, me <laughs> yeah pretty much he worked at epic from 92 to 2012 and he um was the lead designer of gears of war and this is more of a me game but i remember playing on pc when i was a child jazz jackrabbit and he, oh. he um he created that but he also worked on the unreal series um yeah. like I was going to say, that's my uh, childhood piece, is that he's a big designer for Unreal Tournament. Yeah. I almost wore my Unreal Tournament shirt at the event, and I wore my Raleigh Richard Gamer shirt instead. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, man, I really wish I did in case he saw me. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but he um, he's still around. Like, he, uh, he came to the con. I wouldn't know him by his face, because I've never met him before. I just know him by reputation, because I've played his games. But um, we found out that a vendor uh, saw him and got a photo with him. And we were like, oh, my God, like, I really wish he had, like, come up to us because I would have loved to have, like, talked to him. But yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, a a pretty, pretty unreal moment. Yeah, it it really was, quite frankly. (laughs) Also, not in terms of the mainstream game industry, but we had uh, we had a indie dev with the triangle interactive arts collective come and he showed off his modern n64 games oh that's cool yeah there's one that i played that i also then went and bought on his itch page called telelocation gemini and it's basically a 3d puzzle platformer and it was really good hmm so what does that mean? Is he just like making a modern game, but it's in the style of the N64, or is it actually printed no, on made, like an N64 cart? Yes, he made an N64 game. Wow. Okay. Like I know that's a thing. ROM and everything. I know that's a th- definitely a thing for like NES and Genesis and stuff like that. But I didn't know that they had a, that the that indie space folks had expanded out to the N64 too. That's pretty yeah. Cool. He, um, he told me he had participated in a game jam during the pandemic cause he was out of a job. Um, mm-hmm. and he, he won with telelocation Gemini. Wow. Um, so playing it, you could just tell that there was like a lot of heart and soul put into it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just quite frankly, a very fun game. 
Well, remind me whenever I'm editing this episode and I can put a link to that game in the show notes. I will absolutely do that. Yeah. I know he'd appreciate okay. that. But um, likewise, he also a link showed... to you guys' group and, and the webpage and all that all that crap. Yeah, he also showed me something that uh, he and this other guy are working on. And he did the music for it. The developer wasn't there. But um, I, I say he made this because I predominantly talked to him. Um, his name is Jeff. And um, he showed me another project that he and uh, his buddy are working on. It is a demake of Portal for the N64. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, I played it. Like I, I went through like the first like five puzzles or so, and it was jarring just because it still uses both sticks. Like you use the C stick to move <laughs> or the C buttons to move, and the regular control stick to like look around. So it took me a minute, but I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is this is playable. Like it's very doable. It's just so so bizarre to actually see that somebody has done this. Um, I'm going to issue a threat. Are you ready? Uh-huh. So if you guys do not invite whoever is making the PS1 demake of Bloodborne and the person that is making Bloodborne Cart to your next event, I'll be very upset. Well, I'll have okay, to track them based? down, man. Uh, it doesn't matter. You guys are awash with cash now. So, yes, well, you will invite them. We, uh... I'm, I'm not going to talk about our cash, but we are not as awash as you may think. Okay, well, my a, threat still stands. A splash, okay. maybe. A splash of cash. Yeah. Any but, final um, thoughts on your event before we go into the end? I'm I, blown away with how successful it was. And if anybody who is there is listening, like, thank you for coming. Because we had much lower expectations than it actually turned out being. When Ryan and I first joined the the group for raleigh richard gamers i think it had like maybe 20 members in the facebook group yeah and now it's like what like one almost 1500 almost 1500 people in it now and it just wow. goes to show that you know people who love games are everywhere and i, I i'm in a, a bunch of discords and servers for other retro gaming hobbyists who lament about not having like a good meetup spot or know any locals who are into gaming and retro gaming and i think just with the proper communication channels you can find a lot of people because i didn't know so many people in the raleigh area that love games as much as we do and it just yeah. goes to show through that how everyone's coming together like this event was possible you know from like like dozens of people that all came together for helping out the vendors the volunteers the people organizing the event like ryan especially yeah. like everyone coming together this this was a multiple person effort and i'll never forget yeah, I'll never forget the first day that we kind of realized, like, how much of a community we were building. Also, the creator of the group was, like, an 18-year-old kid at the time. And he just, he, he grew up with his dad's, like, retro stuff. So he's been, like, immersed in it since he was, like, a child. So he was like, I want to find, like, Mike-minded, Mike-minded, like-minded, like-minded Mike-minded. I love Mike. <laughs> Um, good guy it's <laughs> <laughs> so like i want to find like-minded people so he just created this group and it just I, I said to him as we were leaving uh the other day i was like did you ever think that you just trying to find retro game friends like did you ever think this would happen and he just looked at me with like a deadpan expression and went nope hmm. and we we're just like it, man it, it's wild but it just goes to show if 
like anything is possible when you engage in your community and i highly recommend everyone who wants something similar sounding to what we have in the raleigh area if you live anywhere elsewhere to engage in your community because it can happen there are lots of gamers out there yeah so true so true well i really uh i wasn't able to attend this year but i'm really grateful that you guys came on here to to talk about it uh for me and for the listeners at home so yeah it sounds like a lot of fun and i can't wait to be there next year yeah yeah we're we're Uh, very excited it's just like it's it's a wash of euphoria to have something you made be successful Mm. so i'm gonna steal a segment from a podcast that i've also stolen segments from before from the insert credit podcast for our ender so everybody you guys uh pick one thing it can be anything to recommend to the audience that they check out uh whatever whatever it is so will what's one thing that you're going to recommend to the to the listeners on the spot even Um, on the spot one thing i'm going to recommend to listeners um well one thing i didn't get to talk about today but i've been really big into the um george romero zombie movies recently Mm. and i feel like most people really know the first one night of the living dead you know black and white 1968 uh, I'm going to recommend the second one, which is Dawn of the Dead in like 70, oh geez, like 78 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, if you like, you know, it's it's more like a middle stage apocalypse movie of survivors taking over a shopping mall and making that like their base of operations. And like artistically and thematically, I think it works really well. And it's like really engaging even today. If you can get past kind of the extreme violence and zombie like gore that's in it. I think it, it really is a testament to the genre, and you'll just see how influential it is if that's your cup of tea. Like, even from a, an influence standpoint, it was it was really engaging. So that's my my really quick review of 1978's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? What's one thing you would like to recommend? The first thing that's coming to mind is I want to recommend the game Vampire Survivors. So it is a $3 game on Steam. And it has no business being as good as it is for a $3 game on Steam. It's basically a roguelike bullet hell, but you are the bullet hell. Like, you're shooting a ton of, like, enemies and everything. And it's roguelike, like, I think I said that. And you just get upgrades, so you start shooting more bullets. And you just try to survive the onslaught of the undead. And I I played it for, like four hours straight one day without even realizing it just because it's like it's just so addicting and for me since uh will recommended a movie and ryan recommended a game i'm going to recommend a uh musical artist so i recommend you check out the band polyphia they are a uh i guess you could say like math rock slash math core band but more math rock than core because they do have some metal sort of uh, motifs but it's mostly like rock stuff but like uh they're mostly instrumental but their 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 music is i like to call it like brain tickling music because it's really complicated but very elegant and very like very pleasing to listen to lots of like crazy nonsense that the guys are playing on guitar and they also have like some really interesting like hip-hop beats that they play along to uh did i mention it was instrumental like it's all instrumental there's no vocals sometimes they have a vocalist come on to some of their songs but uh, i've been really really into them lately 
there's been a few songs mainly like neurotica and playing god that i've just kind of been listening on repeat for for like the past like three weeks and i've just been really into this band and they're like main um guitarist i think his name is uh yeah tim henson not related to jim henson but (laughs) um pretty cool though uh great great band that i've been really into so you should go onto your music streaming app and listen to some polyphia they're pretty cool all right all right well thank you guys go ahead never mind okay got on long enough cool well, thank you guys for joining me for another Kotatsu Corner. Where can people connect with you on the internet? Will, you go first. Well, you can find me over on Twitter. Is probably the best place, which is going to be at SwooshXBear. I'm also on YouTube at the same SwooshXBear. Uh, most of these days, I'm making retro game videos on my YouTube page. I do a series covering every single Resident Evil game in chronological release order, which has been a fun journey going through that. Uh, I recently released an episode on the Super Nintendo game Cybernator, which if you haven't seen it, you should check out my video. And then this coming October, we're going to be going into Resident Evil Zero, which is one I've never played before. So you get to see my first impressions and reactions there. Do you want to talk about your TikTok? I do also have TikTok, mostly just the show off little tidbits of behind the scenes and bits from my collection. So if you like really quick collecting, showing off facts and, and fun things like, hey, did you know that the Resident Evil uh, Dark Side Chronicles spine is missing the Wii logo? Or right. like, hey, do you want to check out all my Metroid games that I have? Here's a TikTok with it. Just so, you know, the, the younger generation can appreciate the, the real classics. And what do you have for us, Ryan? Um... So I'm actually going to be making my return to YouTube starting in January. I'm currently on the content grind. I'm going to be doing the thing I think we should have done last time. And I'm going to start by having a content backlog before I even post anything. That's going to be at some RDM gamer, which is pronounced some random gamer. Um, You can find me on Twitter at midshelf Ryan, which will also probably get changed pretty soon. Um, But other than that, if you're in the North Carolina area and you have Facebook and you like retro games, please join Raleigh Retro Gamers. We would love to have you. And you can find me most easily over on Twitter at BebopShock. You can also find Third Impact Anime more broadly on our website, thirdimpactanime.com. And in a similar fashion to Will getting more involved on TikTok by showing off pieces of his collection, I've been trying to get a little bit more active with the podcast's profile over on Instagram. So I've been posting uh, like uh, pictures of like various Blu-ray sets and like figures that I have and just like fun little pieces of my collection and the collections of my fellow contributors um, just to, you know, have a little bit more of a presence on Instagram because most of the time we only use Instagram for like convention photo dumps, but I kind of want to have more of a presence there sort of going throughout the year whenever we're not at cons. So if you want to check that out, you can find us at third impact anime on Instagram. You can also find the brand page at TI underscore anime on Twitter. And if you want to support what we do over here, you can uh, do so by sharing this episode, and that would make us very, very happy. But if you want to support us a little bit more, you can check us out on Patreon and become a patron over there. Uh, We have some very small, minuscule perks that you can take advantage of if you are so inclined, but we would really appreciate that. That is patreon.com slash thirdimpactanime. 
And yeah, this has been another Kotatsu Corner. Hopefully the turnaround time between the last one and this one will not be as long uh, next time around. I feel so, like we uh, can definitely get back on a schedule of doing these because they're very fun to do. It's like just chatting with friends. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is, and that's what it's meant to be. So a lot less formal, a lot more, you know, just off the cuff. Good times. So thank you guys for joining me, and we will see you next time, whatever next time may be. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.